Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hello and welcome to the Autosport Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Kalanorkas. Red Bull has become the latest Formula One team to show off its 2021 car, which is the RB16B. It's an updated version of the car that won twice last year, but had various problems that prevented it getting closer to Mercedes overall. On this episode of the podcast, I'm joined by Motorsport.com's F1 editor Jonathan Noble, Autosport's F1 reporter Luke Smith, and our technical editor Jake Boxall-Leg to go over what we learned from the Red Bull reveal today. Uh, Jake, going to come to you first. I know you're quite annoyed that there's not a hell of a lot of technical stuff to, uh, to get your teeth into today. But actually, I just wanted to start you off with a little bit of pedantry because I've read over what you filed uh, for Autosport.com Plus uh, and for the magazine. And I know that there's a little bit of pedantry involved. You seem quite annoyed that Red Bull isn't pretending that it's uh, that it's gone with a new car and giving it a B in the designation. Whereas I actually quite admire this. I think all of the teams should be doing that and just putting a B after whatever they called their teams last year. Because essentially, the majority of the car is the same so why are you particularly irritated that they haven't called it the rb17 oh no i quite agree with you i definitely think that every team should have gone for the b spec thing rather than skipping two numbers and pretending it's two numbers in advance as alfa romeo did yesterday what i'm more annoyed about having now seen the car is that it is not a red bull rb16b it is if anything an rb16a every single year there is a team that will make me absolutely furious with what they provide during launch week. And last year it was Renault providing four close-up images of bits of a car. That was rage-inducing enough, but to have the audacity and the cheek to launch your apparent 2021 car and for it to just be not that is 
what am I supposed to do with it? Um, I'll talk about the brake ducts. They're a bit different. I'll talk about the floor. That's a bit different because it has to be because of the regulations. I have nothing else to say about it. There are more Honda logos on it. Uh, how, have we got any indication that this might be what Red Bull is sort of its final floor design? Because that's obviously the big change at the rear of the car for across the grid. So do you think this is the final sort of elements that we're seeing in that area or just a hint at what's to come from Red Bull? It's got to be a hint because it's what they ran in practice in Abu Dhabi last year and obviously they've gone okay that's that's a vague approximation of a 2021 floor let's stick that on. I mean maybe that's what they end up with during the season I don't entirely know at this point I think everything is is up for debate at this moment in time. That's the design they've chosen to show. Uh, as you say, the brake ducts are different. Would you say Red Bull then is one of the worst for holding things back when it comes to showing off its initial images of its new car? Last year, it was it was all right about it because, you know, it showed off its new nose and we all got excited about that for some reason. Uh, I appreciate that there's, there's a lot of carryover from last year and Christian Horner did say, you know, quite a while ago that about 60% of the the RB16B is carryover from, from 2020. So it's understandable that perhaps most of the internals have changed because Honda's got a brand new power unit for, for 2021. Um, and obviously they're going to sort of keep that bubbling over until Rebel takes that over from 2022 onwards. I would rather have launch the launch pushed back, shove it out of the pit lane in, in testing. Uh, then we get a look at what the car is and then we can make our deductions based on that but two pictures of last year's car is not what i had in mind from from a from from a launch well luke did we really expect the livery to change i know some people got very excited uh, on social media but then red bull just appeared with what it's had for many years in quite an underwhelming toned down livery I, I yearn for what they had at the start of the of the last decade where sebastian vettel was winning his titles i thought that was the best livery red bull have come up with but yeah did you ever really expect them to go anywhere anything different no, I don't think Red Bull were ever going to do something dramatically different. I think ever since they dropped the uh, Infinity Purple, I believe they last ran in 2016, maybe. I think that ever since then, really, they've been pretty consistent with what their car design is. And we know they've had a tendency in recent years to have sort of a, a bit of a different livery for the initial shakedown of the car. Uh, we saw the, the famous Camo Bull a few years ago. I believe last year's car was when it had sort of the, the uh, really striking red sort of vertical lines on it which were, was quite striking but then obviously never made it onto the final car and the shakedown of the RB16B for the first time is coming tomorrow at Silverstone and it wouldn't surprise me if that run was to be in a different livery there's merchandise on the Red Bull website um, selling bum bags and caps and t-shirts and everything like this with a, quite a sort of a, a fluorescent blue design um, so I think it may well be that that does appear on the car that we see tomorrow but ultimately that's not going to be what's actually racing so I think it's just a case of Red Bull saying if it ain't broke don't fix it they've stuck with this design for a long time and it's uh, been working quite well for them well john would you say this is a familiar pattern for red bull at this time of year gives away a little bit in terms of limited images goes to silverstone has it shakedown obviously yeah we don't know what they're going to do with potential shakedown livery um but is, is it is it a team that does things slightly differently i know ferrari this year are, are introducing their team and then introducing their car at a later stage so is it a, an interesting bit of variation in terms of how they're they're revealing their car I think it's very typical of Red Bull, really, for for a team that has, you know, is based on an energy drinks company that's famous for mass marketing and kind of huge promotion. They're not actually a team that does masses of promotion. Um, they've not done the glamorous launches when we've heard, you know, we go back to the, the days of McLaren, did that famous Spice Girls launch at Alexandra Palace, which will probably be remembered forever as the most ostentatious launch we've seen. We've seen cars running streets. We've seen Benetton 
in Venice they had a launch one year Red Bull always release images they always don't offer enough extra insight that would please someone like Jake for all his kind of answers because I'm sure if Nui speaks about the car he will be able to point out lots of differences between last year and this year and refinements but a lot of these things are hidden you know underneath the bodywork that's that's hard to tell the difference right now so I think very typical of Red Bull um I quite actually liked the way McLaren did their launch this year and I know some people didn't like the fact that it took so long for the program to start and then have a, like a music section to the, the build-up and then reveal the car. But we got access to drivers, we got access to technical people, we got access to team bosses beforehand. Lots to explain, lots of answers, lots of coverage. Um, I just think it's been a bit missing today, which is why uh, Jake's probably a, a bit frustrated. And understandably so. Uh, the, the drivers will be speaking uh, later on in the week, as he said, Joe Perez and his new surroundings at Red Bull, Max Verstappen carrying on there as well. Um, Jake, just going back to the sort of the, the middle of the car, the uh, the barge boards, they look particularly aggressive on the Red Bull. I don't know whether it was just the lighting in the renders that, that were shown, but is this sort of the final year of the a sort of a swan song for those aggressive shapes at the front of the car, considering what the new designs are going to look like next year? Yeah, they kind of look like talons, don't they? It looks very, you know, you could certainly cut your bread with it. Um, I think certainly, yeah, this is obviously the last season that we're going to get of these very, very aggressive bargeboard designs. And so this is the last year that everyone has to really push the boat out with them. Um, But obviously that's got to be tempered with development for 2022. So you can't just say, oh, we're just going to throw everything at it and go as absolutely crazy as we possibly can with them um it's still got to work but they're getting to the point now where they're so ridiculous now there's just so much going on and i don't think that is ever what f1 had in mind when they brought the bargeboards back they thought they'd probably go to 2007 2008 kind of spec bargeboard designs um but obviously times have moved on so much and because it's such a lucrative part of the car in making sure that the underbody works properly as it should do um, there's all of these little devices that that help to channel airflow outwards and around the car, and there's so many, so much going on there now. Um, that in hindsight, it does seem like a bit of a misstep when it came to the reintroduction of that size barge boards back in 2017. Well, as I said earlier, the drivers will be uh, speaking to the media later on this week, so we'll hope to bring you all the latest news lines coming out of Sergio Perez and Max Verstappen. But John, um, on Sergio Perez, we've seen a little bit released by Red Bull over the opening months of 2021 in, in regards to how he's uh, he's gone around the factory, met the team, seen what Red Bull has to offer. Um, what, what sense do you get about how he's settling into life so far at what is the biggest team he's raced for since uh, leaving McLaren at the end of 2013? Well, I guess guess he's loving it, but you, I think you also have to understand this is the honeymoon period that, you know, when you sign for a big team and you, you have tremendous opportunity, it's all glorious at the beginning because, you know, untold results could happen in the future. Um, you're stepping up into big teams. This is a great big opportunity. And for someone, you know, as mature, as intelligent and as quick as Sergio, you know, I'm sure, sure he's getting himself right in there. Um, I think the key thing for these relationships and how things pan out with teams is you know how the early phase of the season develops because it doesn't take long uh, if you're not doing very well for the, the pressure to ramp up uh, also equally doesn't take very long to instantly settle in you know grab a win grab a podium early on and you're the next big thing so I think we don't really fully understand how well drivers are settling in 
until you're three, four races into the season. Well, Luke, Max Verstappen is facing probably another year as the likely only contender really to Mercedes. I think Perez on paper definitely should be closer to him, but he's going to have a hard time when it comes to the fact that he's only got a day and a half of testing in the 2021 car to get up to speed to be on Verstappen's level immediately. Um, if it is, if that does come out to be the case and it is another year of just Verstappen chasing Mercedes, he shows himself again to be the great star we know him to be, but he can't get as many wins as he'd like. He's not in true title contention. At what point does that sort of boil over into frustration and, and the reason I asked that is because I think we did start to see that at the end of last year you know when he didn't win the British Grand Prix because Red Bull had pitted him before Hamilton and Bottas had their tyre failures it was ah oh, well we got second and the sort of the, the vibe was it's good I'm, I'm happy that we got second I'm not annoyed that we lost out on the win whereas in Bahrain the first Bahrain Grand Prix where he finished just behind Hamilton pressured him all race you just got the sense that things were slipping ever so slightly and he was getting annoyed that he wasn't getting those victories so yeah at what point if it is another season in 2021 as it was in 2020 does he become really frustrated about what's going on at Red Bull I think a lot of that will depend on just how close Red Bull is to Mercedes in the early part of the season we know that Red Bull obviously made a great finish to the end of last year winning in Abu Dhabi and that really I sort of I think invigorated everyone in terms of media fans and and Red Bull themselves thinking well 2021 we could actually see a proper title fight on the cards if Red Bull continue this trajectory naturally Mercedes were able to stop the developing their car much much earlier so theoretically they should have a nice advantage coming into the season but it all depends really about how much downforce that's been lost under the revised rules that all the teams have been able to gain so if Red Bull managed to make a bigger game back that should put them in good shape for the season. So I think it's going to be, yeah, really interesting to see just how they can sort of build that momentum through the coming year. For Max, I think that, yeah, if they start the season a long way off, then I think maybe he he sort of will call his frustrations a little bit. But if they are within shooting distance, if they can put on some pressure and fight for race wins, but if things just start to slip away a little bit here and there, if Perez maybe isn't quite able to be the sort of rear gunner that he's been brought in to be, and maybe sort of give something that Alex Albon wasn't giving and help put more pressure on Mercedes and maybe force them into some more mistakes then uh, yeah I think there's certainly going to be some uh, sort of pressure ramping up and maybe some frustration on Max's side and I think it's uh, a very interesting subplot obviously we've got two free Mercedes seats currently for 2022 we know Max has a long-term rebel contract but Christian Horner has confirmed that there is uh, an escape clause within that depending on rebels performance so uh, yeah I think it's going to be really really fascinating to see just how those frustrations are kept in check well, John, uh, Luke mentioned Alex Albon uh, in his answer there. And uh, you and I spoke to him as part of a, uh, a media roundtable that Red Bull organised uh, over Zoom, as everything is these days. Uh, but it's interesting to hear from him sort of the first time since, uh, properly since the, you know, his, uh, his demotion at the end of 2020 with Sergio Perez coming into him. How did you find him? How did you find his demeanour? What do you think you learned about Alex Albon in terms of how he's approaching his, his new situation? Yeah, I think any driver in Alex's situation, you know, it's always always difficult in in terms of how you deal with it. And there's often two two ways that you can approach it. You can either be very upset about it, get your head down, mope around, wallow around, as Alex said, um, and you know, give a list of a hundred things that where you felt you've been, you know, treated not very well. Or, as Alex has done, you kind of realise you can't change the past. You can only influence the future. You get your head down and you realise that if you want to get a seat back in Formula One, then you need to work hard and do everything you can to, to do that. And I think one of the most interesting things, I think, from Alex um, was just how hungry he seemed to want to get back into Formula One. That it doesn't He's not viewing it as a far off 1% chance and he thinks there's zero opportunity. You know, He talks about that he's, he's hungrier than any other driver out there to be on the F1 grid in 2022. 
Um, he's throwing everything at the DTM opportunity. He's throwing everything at doing the best he can for Red Bull to improve and develop the car. So, you know, he's a, he's a hungry, ambitious um, young man at the moment. Indeed. Well, there's obviously been a lot of big news regarding Red Bull in the last few weeks as it will take over the Honda engines operation from uh, 2022 and up to 2025 when the engines will be frozen in terms of development uh, over that period. Um, Jake, what do you expect or what do you hope Honda will be able to do in its final year before it leaves F1? I mean, is there is there much scope for development of the engines in terms of make, leaving one final big push? That's what Red Bull is able to carry on into the future? There's a little bit of... Uh changes for for 2021 uh, and beyond um there's going to be a lot less uh focus on you know more exotic materials and that kind of thing there's the transition to sustainable fuels as well which is going to be hugely important to get right and that's something that uh honda is going to have to work with with uh with exxon mobile who supplies ripples uh fuel and oil um so there's a lot to get on top of and when they come to the transition point at the start of 2022 and Honda palms are off onto Red Bull and Red Bull picks up the development, there needs to be as seamless a transition as possible. Um, if they can keep the same team that's been working on it, maybe bring in, if Andy Cowell's still floating around to head up the operation, then, then that'll be a very astute, uh, acquisition. Whether that will happen or not, um, you know, everyone talks about it, but, there's been sort of little news on that front at the moment. But the key thing is to keep the continuity there. Don't go for an, uh, a complete overhaul in the the architecture of the, the power unit. And above all, Honda needs to spend the last bit of time it has in Formula 1 just getting that power unit as close to Mercedes as possible, cementing that power unit's, you know, that growth over the last few years and ensuring that when Red Bull does pick it up, it immediately can challenge Obviously, there is the freeze, which is really, really good news for Red Bull because, well, first of all, that's what it wanted when it suggested that it would pick up the the power units because it doesn't really have the capital to keep developing it. Um, so that's why the continuity is important, so that any you know issues that might need to be fixed down to to reliability that can be done by the same group of people. Um, so there is a lot to consider. Uh, it's it's a brave new step for Red Bull. It's not gone down this path before it has always been suggested that rebel does its own engines given its uh prior fallout with renault before it but it is a brave new world and it's just going to have to ensure that it keeps a lot of things the same understands what it needs to do to run uh powertrains firm when it comes to new engine regulations in 2025 or 2026 or whenever it's going to be um whether it decides to go down that route itself or entice another manufacturer on board, um, that's what it's going to need to to work on. Work on whether it's it can do it itself or whether it needs uh, outside help. And John, what is the latest news regarding Andy Cowell's future? Obviously, we know he's leaving uh, Mercedes High Performance Powertrains at Bricksworth, but it's not really been announced what is his new project is going to be. Uh, but Christian Horner, I know, has uh, suggested that he's looking at projects outside of Formula One, which could well be uh, a ploy on Horner's behalf. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, what do you understand is the latest regarding Andy Cowell? Uh, there hasn't been much kind of official word. Andy's not spoken um, at all, I think, since he announced his departure and Mercedes has been quite quite quiet about it. But I, I would suspect that if you were, um, you know, Mercedes-Benz and had um, arguably the best engine boffin um, under contracts, you wouldn't allow him to go to another Formula One team 
for a set period. Um, we know lots of work contracts have you know periods of not necessarily gardening leave, but that you can't move to a competitor within a set period of time. You'll find that's why a lot of um, F1 personnel who leave teams end up working for F1 for a set amount of time because they're not allowed to go and work for another team. Um, you get these, these lockout periods. So I would suspect that in the short term, Andercal won't be in Formula 1, um, be p- pursuing something outside, may even just fancy not doing very much for a while. Um, he's been, you know, you know flat out, um, you know, making a huge success of Mercedes HPP. Um, maybe time for a bit of a break, time to get away from F1. But I'm so- sure as soon as he's able to return to Formula 1, if he's got an interest, um, his phone will be off the hook. Absolutely, absolutely. But um, Luke, just uh, going back to the Red Bull taking over the, the Honda engine, I mean, how important is that for the team? What what a bit, kind of a big step is that for Red Bull? Oh, it's enormous. Absolutely huge. As Jake said, it's something that's sort of been hinted at for a very, very long time. And I think throughout their sort of... Uh, fallow period with Renault Red Bull was always very adamant that their car and the chassis was was absolutely fantastic and it was purely the the engine and power unit that was letting it down and it's kind of always been well why didn't you just do your own power unit then well, why not just take that step so I think the fact that they are taking on all of the Honda architecture and IP I think that's a really big step for the sort of the next sort of two to three years uh, it's going to be important that Honda does keep up the development uh, looking to 2022 and then they hand over that engine to Red Bull powertrains and then ahead of the engine freeze that uh, everything is set in place so that Red Bull can be competitive. But I think looking more long-term as well, when we do have the new power units uh, generation come in in 2025, I think that is going to be really a big sort of crossroads for Red Bull. And Christian Horner spoke about it uh, with myself and John in a media session last week when they announced it. And he said that although they would be open to working with a a new manufacturer, should anyone, say an Audi or a Porsche or someone like that, show an interest in coming into Formula 1 in the future that's by no means a, a must for Red Bull. They don't need a works deal anymore. They could do it themselves. So the fact they are sort of building this uh, facility on their campus at Milton Keynes, I think it's a, a really big step for their for their future. It gives them maximum flexibility moving forward. It means that they're not beholden to any manufacturer coming in. And uh, as Christian Horner puts it, they've really taken control of their own uh, destiny now. And they're no longer, he said, they're too grown up to be a customer team to anybody so it makes sense for them to do it themselves and be a proper works force uh, similar to what Mercedes uh, or Ferrari are doing so I think it's uh, yeah a very big step for them well we've again asked our social media followers to vote on how they see the 2021 season playing out for Red Bull and I've got the results here so I'll be looking down at those and asking you guys uh, whether you agree with these uh, results and these uh, these points as well so regarding the two Red Bull drivers and which one uh, scores more points incidentally on both Instagram and Twitter Autosport followers have voted in exactly the same way. We've got 83% for Max Verstappen and 17% for Sergio Perez. Um, Jake, do you do you agree with that? I mean, given how Verstappen has blown away his most recent teammates, I think that's a fairly safe bet. But Perez, as I said, on paper is a, is a bit of an upgrade in terms of what Red Bull can expect. Yeah, that's true. But I think it's still way too early for, as, as you mentioned, um, Perez is only going to have a day and a half in that car. Uh, and before uh, Bahrain begins, and it's too too much of a big ask to um, ask him to out uh, outperform Verstappen off the bat. Verstappen's got years of experience in Red Bull machinery. You've seen how difficult it is for his teammates to get even slightly close to him um, in that car. It's something that he has a grip of, and I think Perez can beat him on his day, but. The, those days are going to be too few and far between to realistically overhaul Verstappen in 2021. 
Well, the next question is, can Red Bull win the Constructors' Championship this year? And again, there is clear winners, although slight differences on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, on Twitter, only 28% said yes, 72% saying no, whereas Instagram is a little bit closer, 44% yes, 56% no. Luke, I mean, I think it's going to be another year of Mercedes waltzing to an eighth title. Maybe it will be a little bit closer considering the car carryover. We just don't know what Mercedes, uh, the way they developed differently in 2020, how that's going to change things. But uh, yeah, do you agree uh, with the followers that Red Bull aren't going to be winning the Constructors' Championship this year? Uh, yeah, I do agree. I think that it may be a bit closer. I think the fact that there is the car carryover, that definitely plays towards Red Bull's strengths. And also the fact that, as you said earlier, Sergio Perez is uh, an upgrade on paper compared to Alex Albon. So I think just on that alone, they will be a step closer to Mercedes than they were last year. But uh, no, I think the fact that Mercedes, they were able to stop developing uh, last year's car so, so early. I think that's given them a nice long lead time coming into this year. And I, I really can't see anything, barring something dramatic, uh, anything stopping them from winning an eighth consecutive title and I think it's going to have to be another year of Red Bull really waiting and seeing on the next big regulation change if that'll be enough to bring them back into the title fight. Well the next question is will Red Bull secure more or less victories this season than in 2020? It's quite an interesting question really because obviously it won twice and it took those victories from Mercedes but Mercedes also gave away two other wins with the, the mistakes that Hamilton and the team made at Monza, the pit stop fiasco and then the puncture in the Sakir Grand Prix so really Red Bull could have won four races obviously Various things happening in those uh, those two races at Monza and Bahrain meant that their drivers weren't in contention. But, you know, considering the gap to the rest of the field, Red Bull would be expecting to pick up the wins if Mercedes uh, throws them away. So it's just interesting to consider that. But again, it's quite um, it's quite overwhelming across both Twitter and Instagram, the answer to that question. Uh, on Twitter, 84% say they'll win more in 2021 than they did in 2020. And Instagram was 83%. And obviously on, on Twitter, the reverse was 16% and 17% on Instagram. Uh, John, what do you think? Do you think Red Bull would be able to win more this year than it did last year yeah I think think they should be able to I mean I've got no doubts that Mercedes is going to remain the favourites and the, the pace setters I think that, that we didn't see the full potential of that car towards the end of last season um, they stopped development so early um, plus I think it was got to take into, take into account we've got more races as well this season um, 23 as opposed to 17 um, you would suspect Red Bull won't be hampered by the early season problems um, that they faced at the end of uh, beginning of last year with the aero anomalies on the RB16. So I think, yep, yeah, I think Red Bull will win more. But um, I agree with Luke. I don't think it's going to be enough to, to beat Mercedes. And the next question uh, relates to the drivers again. Is the Verstappen-Perez partnership a match made in heaven or hell? Uh, on Twitter, we've got 65% heaven and 35% hell. On Instagram, more positive. Typically, 77% uh, saying it will be heaven and 23% for hell. Uh, Jake, how do you see it shaking out? I mean, Sergio Perez seems to have reasonably good relationships with all of his teammates, unless you're Esteban Ocon, uh, that's in Formula One. So, yeah, how do you see it playing out? Uh, what can be a famously tough and political environment that he's suddenly stepped into? Yeah, it's certainly going to be a very, very different environment for him. I think overall it should be a really good partnership. Um, Perez has that experience to push Verstappen a little bit more. You know, Verstappen has had two very inexperienced teammates uh, before him. And now there's someone coming in with all of this experience who has now won a race um, and has been through it all in his career. He's been with top team probably too early in his F1 career, has fallen down and climbed back up. So Perez has had the sort of full gamut of results and he's a very, very canny operator. And I think he'll give Verstappen a little bit more of a push than than anyone else has done for well, since Daniel Ricciardo was in the team. 
Indeed. Well, the final question we asked our followers on social media is, will a Red Bull driver win a title in 2021? Uh, On Twitter, only 18% said yes. On Instagram, it was 39%. So a lot more people seeing that playing out that way on Instagram. Uh, No on Twitter was 82% and 61% on Instagram. Uh, Luke, it's a a very similar question to the Constructors title uh, question I put to you earlier. But conceivably, I do think this is unlikely, but conceivably, if there was a sort of uh, a three-way or even four-way title fight, potentially a Red Bull driver could nick it. But just considering how dominant Mercedes was, particularly at the start of last season, um, and the fact they didn't, went on a different development path to Red Bull means it's just, you know, I think they go in as the overwhelming favourites. But yeah, do you think there's a chance of a Red Bull driver winning a title this year? Uh, No, same as the Constructors' Championship. I think it's highly, highly unlikely. I think that unless we maybe see uh, Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas sort of nicking points off each other and perhaps Max Verstappen's able to get a few big swings his way, then perhaps that could open things up a little bit for him. But I think that would require Red Bull to be a lot closer to Mercedes than we are perhaps anticipating. And uh, we know that Max can drive outdrive a car he can drive out of his skin and, and really really perform so I don't think there's any questions really on his side but I just think it's going to be too much of a gap for him to realistically make up this year so uh, yeah I think it's going to be another year of him waiting uh, he'll be the ripe old age of uh, what 23 24 by the time we get to 2022 and he's maybe uh, thinking about a first world title so uh, yeah ideas of being the youngest ever world champion I think are a long long gone now but uh, still I think it's going to be an exciting season for Red Bull I think they've got a good opportunity this year to make another step forward but I just think the title is uh, too much of a dream really for for Verstappen or for Perez Well thanks to John, Luke and JBL for coming on the podcast today and of course thanks to everybody listening along. Now just before we go we'd like to remind you that the latest issue of Autosport magazine came out on Thursday and will be available on the supermarket shelves and in newsagents as well as on the doormats of subscribers There will be a new issue of the magazine for you to pick up every Thursday, packed news, analysis and the usual stunning photography. And of course if you want unlimited access to Autosport from the comfort of your home visit autosport.com slash plus to find out how to subscribe to our digital package. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Autosport Podcast. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com slash Trilo Music. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, tell me about last night. Well, it wasn't what I expected. It had the perfect amount of spice. Sounds hot. It had all the flavor, and I wanted more. The ghost pepper wings from Popeye's are just so delicious. Wait, I thought you were talking about your date. Sometimes, things aren't always as they seem. Like Popeye's ghost pepper wings that have the perfect level of kick and flavor. 
Try them for only $5 today. Limited time at participating U.S. restaurants. Price may vary. Tax extra. Love that chicken from Popeye's. Sports Social Podcast Network.